And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. All right. I've got a great show for you today. I have Michael Savage with me. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. Stephen, it's always a pleasure. You have an amazingly loyal audience. And of course, your questions are extremely penetrating. So try not to x-ray me too hard. (laughs) Well, I've got plenty of them for you. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers. I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. You, through your career, have rubbed shoulders with some of the biggest names in politics. What do you think is going to happen? Is Trump going to be the nominee or are these crazy, ludicrous lawsuits going to keep him from running for president? Stephen, I want to begin by saying when I was a young man in my 20s, there was a president named John F. Kennedy before he was killed. I was a young teacher and he gave a speech in which he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That one line stood with me my entire life to this very day. He inspired me as a young man. I felt a a rigid steel go up my spine saying, wow, I want to be like him. I'm sorry to say, Stephen, I do not see any inspiration in this campaign, which is not to say I would not vote for Donald Trump. I will. I had a big deal to do with his getting elected in 2016. However, this country is so fractured right now 
so divided right now, so broken right now. Uh, I don't know that any one person could save this nation. I'm looking for somebody to inspire me in the nation, Stephen. I don't see it anywhere. All I see are people attacking the other side. One side says the other side is a devil. The other side says that side's a devil. One side vilifies the other side. Then the other side vilifies that side. Where's the leadership, Stephen? I don't have an answer. So I can't say with any degree of certitude or certainty uh, what's going to happen between now and the election. Obviously, the lawsuits are an attempt by the Lilliputians on the left to tie down the giant called uh, Donald Trump. Uh, And whether these Lilliputians will succeed is only a matter of whether or not the Supreme Court will step up to the plate at the right time and stop them. And I doubt that the Supreme Court will do that truthfully because they've been intimidated by the uh, truthfully, the crazy left. They're attacking Clarence Thomas. They're trying to destroy the Supreme Court's authority in advance of any such ruling. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I've been absolutely shocked. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if they're trying to get Clarence Thomas, they're embarrassing him, shaming him because they know he's going to be the linchpin in any case that Trump is able to bring to the Supreme Court. They're now asking him to recuse himself because his wife voted for Donald Trump. Well, how about the uh, great uh, the greatest Latina in the history of the world? Uh Justice Sotomayor, who uh, apparently became a multimillionaire since she entered the Supreme Court. She was living in, um, I I think, public housing or very inexpensive housing with her mother before she became a justice. Now she's a very wealthy woman. Should she recuse herself as well because of the benefits of having been put on the Supreme Court and these book deals for millions of dollars? People don't buy her books to justify the advance. In essence, book deals of that magnitude generally are bribes from big publishers in plain English. So why doesn't she recuse herself? So where do you begin and where do you end? I I think Clarence Thomas is a great man, a wonderful man. But isn't it ironic that the party of the African-American, the Democrats are attacking the only African-American on the Supreme Court, Stephen? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolute insanity. Do you think any of this has to do with when um, Clarence Thomas was being uh, basically uh, reviewed on becoming a justice? Uh, He and Joseph Robinette Biden had such bad blood between the two of them. Is any of this payback or revenge between these two men? Well, you raised the point that I can only say I agree with you because you've asked a rhetorical question that and that answers the question. Apparently, Joe Biden is a very vicious human being, according to all reports, and never forgets his enemies. And to him, Clarence Thomas is an enemy. He also has a racist streak in him that's a mile wide. Look at his early voting record. He was uh, a, a, an outright, almost like the Southern Dixie racist. In his early days, he changed his stripes in order to appeal to the African-American community who doesn't seem to know his real background. I don't know. Maybe he just hates black people. Yeah, well, he he only won because Representative Clyburn from South Carolina endorsed him on the promise that he would put a black Supreme Court justice on the bench during his time. 
So there was definitely some political chess going on because he lost New Hampshire so badly uh, in the first round of the the Democrat primaries in 2015. Well, we see where DEI has led the American academic establishment, notably uh, Ms. Gay, the president of Harvard, the uh, very, very, very unqualified professor. First of all, she's not even qualified to be a professor let alone the president, but they made her that because of DEI, which is, of course, DIE. We all know that. And so you're saying you have to pick someone based on their color. It's so vile to hear that. See, I have a saying that I've repeated for 30 odd years, which is without quality, there could be no equality. So picking people based on race or sexual orientation is anathema to the American way. I think that's disgusting to hear that from Clyburn. But then again, who is Clyburn to begin with? Is he the sharpest pencil in the box, as they say? Uh, I, I mean, this is a man who has lived on the race card. He's a polished Al Sharpton. Let's not put him on a pedestal, please, Stephen. But to say you have to pick someone of color to be on the Supreme Court, irrespective of their qualities. Wow. You know, Stephen, if this DEI stuff keeps up and this obsession with race, sexual orientation, et cetera, The day is going to come that we enter a commercial aircraft and the pilot's door is open, you know, into the cabin. And we look at it and there's a man with glasses and a seeing eye dog sitting in the pilot's seat. And we're supposed to sit down in our seat uh, and dummy up and wait for him to take off the plane and say, there's nothing to worry about. We now have a blind pilot and we should all feel good because, well, that's DEI or DIE or affirmative action by any other name. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Uh, You mentioned that the the country is changing and you don't know if it can come back from this. Republicans are finally ready to hold Alejandro Mayorkas accountable for his horrendous job at the border. Number one, are they actually going to be able to impeach him? And then number two, he said to them uh, that... What comes next? They are not going to like. Is this phase two of an evil plan or is he referencing a person who's coming after him? I don't know, but I look at him and uh, I look at him with astonishment. Here is the son of Cuban immigrants who fled Fidel Castro. Trying to impose a Castro like regime on the United States of America. We all know what the Mariel boat invasion did to Miami and America when the prisoners were released from the prisons in Cuba by uh, and the mental hospitals opened up. They didn't flood us with the best, by the way. A lot of good Cubans escaped to a great people and very patriotic Americans, very conservative, very Republican. But unfortunately, in the mix were criminals uh, and the deranged out of the nuthouses. Now we're getting the worst of the worst from the world coming to America. I do not see any future Einstein's or Tchaikovsky's in this uh, horde of illegal aliens coming over the border. I have no idea what Mayorkas means. He has a very weird look to his head. I'm just looking at him. Who is this man? I know he worked for Obama. I know that he's guilty of opening up our borders like a can of tuna fish, where we are no longer have a border at all. What does he mean by the next phase? We won't like it all. What does that mean? Making them all legal and giving them a voting? A voting card? Is that what he means? By fiat? We're going to say, okay, well, since they're here, 
they're all citizens and they're all going to vote in the next election and go and go and go do what you want. We're not going to we don't we have no control over it. Gee, we're sorry, but we'll get this immigration thing under control real soon. What do you think, Stephen? What he meant by that? Um, I, I don't know. I'm a, I know that five uh, percent of the American population has come into the country since Joe Biden took office. I know that just yesterday they said more illegal immigrants have come into the country than American babies have been born. Yep. So shocking, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, our pride comes from being a nation of immigrants, not a nation of illegal immigrants. And there's a huge difference. You're, you're starting off your, your, your situation in the United States illegally. It's going to put everybody in a back position where they're, I mean, look at what's happening in New York right now, Michael. They're telling the children and the parents, you will stay at home, you will do online learning, and you can't have access to all of the school programs for which you're paying high taxes in New York because we need an illegal immigrant to sleep in your classroom. Stephen, I must tell your listeners a story because I have been fighting affirmative action for well over 35 years. I am an immigrant son. I want to repeat that. I may be the only, I don't know, one of the few members of the American media of any prominence is actually the son of an immigrant. I'm an older man. Way back when, in October of 1997, I was the godfather in California of Proposition 209, which was a a great reaffirmation of the people's ballot initiative process here in California. And what it said was you cannot use race in hiring or admissions to colleges, et cetera, Prop 209. And it won by a a large majority. It was 70% of the vote for it, 30% against it. Proposition 209. And then one man came along named Felton Henderson, an African-American judge who had been with the ACLU. They made him a federal judge somewhere in in Southern California. He nullified the vote of, of 6 million Californians. He threw Proposition 209 in the garbage and he said race can be used. And as a result of this affirmative action, our universities melted down. Our police departments were weakened. Every aspect of America where quality counted was uh, diminished in order to get the white male out and get anyone else in. Uh, People don't want to hear this. At the time, uh, Stephen, I studied this in great detail because I was a young uh, father, earned my Ph.D. while working at three jobs and they wouldn't hire me. And the ACLU was behind all of it. And I have the ACLU statement from November 29th, 1972, saying this. The white applicant is not being barred from employment because of his race. Rather, his claim to a particular job is being deferred while a remedy is applied. A remedy is applied. I ask myself then, and I ask myself now, Stephen, deferred? How many white males have had their entire life deferred as a result of unequal treatment and discrimination? How many families have been broken apart by the inequality fostered by this ACLU totalitarian edict? And now we go to the immigration question. They are the driving force in suing states on behalf of these illegal immigrant hordes and mobs. They're one of the driving forces trying to destroy America through this invasion. And so 
it's being fought in the courts. It's, the border's been broken. There's no border patrol. Uh, Biden, for some reason, is using Mayorkas as his front man. A very strange man indeed. And I have no idea what they're liable to do to us next, Stephen. But I think the nation is not at a tipping point. We've passed the tipping point, Stephen. I hate to be a pessimist. I don't see how we recover from, they say, 5 million. I say it's closer to 10 million since Biden became president, have been illegally driven into this nation through our open border. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how they come back from it either. But And, and maybe Mayorkas is saying, listen, you cut off the head of the snake, seven or eight more heads grow. You know, maybe he's saying, you know, I, I've infiltrated this uh, border position so well that even if you take me out, you're not going to close the border. You're not going to uh, protect the country. Uh, then you have Senator wow. Rand Paul, who said that Mitch McConnell is selling out the country. He's more <laughs> concerned about Ukraine than our own southern border. Uh, Mitch McConnell's been in 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 this game making money for a very long time. And if I was just to look at his actions, I have to agree with Senator Paul that uh, it does appear he cares more about Ukraine than his own country. A hundred percent true. Uh, Mitch McConnell is part of the uh, problem, not part of the solution, to put it in a very mild way. I've called him Moonshine Mitch in a very affectionate way for quite a few years since he's from Kentucky, the Moonshine State. And uh, of course, his wife, we mustn't forget, Miss Eileen Chow, was former transportation secretary under Donald Trump. They've done very well indeed. Mitch McConnell is an open border man. Mitch McConnell is part of the uh, New World Order, the part of the establishment. And we have no idea how deep this, uh, um, shall I say, corruption runs through the Republican Party as well. We can only imagine it's quite deep and that the uniparty system, the Democrats or Republicrats are one and the same, as I have been calling them for years. And so the people don't matter. The vote doesn't matter. So for us to keep focusing on what's going to happen in 24 is almost a charade. It's almost the shadows on the wall, Stephen. I think that the people who are running the country and the world could care less what the people think. Yeah, I, I hate to be so negative about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, these are all things that I'm trying to process as well. I'm sure the listeners are trying to process this as well. Uh, I had Vivek Ramaswamy on a couple days ago oh. and he, <laughs> he said, uh, he, he said that he genuinely believes that Nikki Haley is being put forward because she will go do all of the bidding of wall street, the military industrial complex, she is the the Joe Biden replacement for having somebody that they can control. What what are your thoughts on Nikki Haley? The same for Swami. I, I'm not a fan of Swami. I He says all the right things. Don't get me wrong. But he's so slick and so fast and so quick and so endless in his one liners. Um, and if you realize he was originally funded by George Soros and he says, oh, yes, I was. But it doesn't really matter. Who is he really? He reminds me of a car dealership owner, let's say, somewhere in America that owns a big car dealership. And you go in and buy a new car from him. And when you get it home, you find out that he drained the uh, uh, the air conditioner coolant out to resell it somewhere. I don't trust him. I'm sorry, Stephen. I hate to be so graphic. Uh, I wouldn't buy a used a new car from Swami. 
let alone a used car. So he's he's like the kettle. What is it? The pot calling the kettle black or something like that. However, that phrase goes. Who is he and why should we pay attention to him? He's too slick for me, Stephen. And again, I go back to my original point. Please give me somebody who can inspire me rather than attack other candidates. I don't see any one of them doing it. Who is saying something like, ask not what the country can do for you, but what you can do for your country? Who is anyone saying we must remember uh, a nation is defined by its borders, language and culture? And if I'm elected, I will make sure that is enacted, that our borders will be secure. Our language will become secure, meaning it will be English only, period, everywhere in all governmental agencies, and that our culture will be revered and taught in our schools. Who's telling us that? Nobody. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Okay, you said that you were uh, inspired by JFK. What about RFK Jr.? What are your thoughts on Bobby Kennedy? I don't trust I don't trust the Kennedy. I'm sorry to sound so negative about him. He says, again, many of the right things, but he's another one who seems to me to be almost like a Ross Perot for this election. I remember Ross Perot was so great. I don't know if you're a younger guy. I do, I do remember him. I mean, we all loved him. I'm going to get under that hood and I'm going to fix that engine that's sputtering and I'm going to tune her up and I'm going to make that engine run right. And that car is going to run again. I loved him. Well, it turned out that that summer before the election, I remember I was on vacation in Lake Tahoe. I called Ross Perot. I interviewed him by phone and I was shocked to find out that he owned a data processing company that he had made his fortune with. I think it was EDT data company. It was a huge data corporation. Do you remember that at all? I just remember he was very wealthy from tech stuff. Right. He owned a data processing company. Let's put it at that. Well, as I did research, I found out that Ross Burroughs Data Processing Corporation just happened to process all of the uh, data for the United States government for the welfare department. One of his largest contractors was the federal government. So I said, oh, wait, wait a minute now. He wants Clinton to win. If I remember correctly, he was definitely a, a plant for the Democrats trying to steal votes away from a conservative by giving us some, you know, key lines that we would take. But, you know, the fish never sees the hook, only the bait. And I think it's the same with uh, with Mr. Kennedy. We're only seeing the hook. I mean, we're only seeing the bait, not the hook. Yeah. Again, it's too negative. I know you you probably didn't want to hear this, but Stephen, you know, I call them as I see them. You know me by now. I think I'm well known for sort of being a rather cynical guy. No, uh, we we appreciate your your feedback. Um, what 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 is your feedback on the situation? Uh, the Congress comes back together. They say <laughs> we're going to vote on whether to hold a sitting president's son no. in contempt for skipping his his subpoena. And then he shows up with a team of lawyers and all hell breaks loose. There's name calling, shouting, talking over each other. Uh, it got really, really out of control. Then Marjorie Taylor Greene stands up to talk to Hunter and he he quickly exits the room. What, what are your thoughts? Was this a giant charade or was he trying to show that he is really there to answer questions honestly? Well, I'm from Queens, New York, where Donald Trump grew up just on the other side of Union Turnpike. 
and we learn something in the fifth grade that the best defense is a good offense. I don't think uh, Abe Lowell didn't learn that as well in the first grade from his mommy or his daddy, Abe Lowell, the lawyer. Did you see those two lawyers sitting around him? One was Abe Lowell, the very famous, high-powered uh, criminal defense attorney, I believe. Uh, I don't know who the other guy was. He looked like he was right out of The Godfather or The Sopranos. The intimidating guy on the other side of Hunter Biden. Who was he? I don't even know who he was. He looked like he brought muscle and, and an attorney in there. Uh, but the, the strategy was the best defense, a good offense. If it was me and I were holding the hearings, I'd slam the gavel down, lock the doors, have the marshals arrest the lawyers and Hunter Biden and then let them sort it out in prison because they were in the. They were in defiance of Congress. That was contempt of Congress for the whole world to see. And Congress folded. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina, she she called for him to be arrested right there on the spot. And that's when the Democrats, they started screaming and order, order. They're banging the gavel. And then nobody cared. They, they distracted away from her comments and her her demand. And they they got away with it. Well, she was wearing the pants on the Republican side, obviously. The others were sort of uh, transgendered Republicans in the sense that they stand for nothing except show. She actually said the right thing. She called for his arrest. Did she? I, I, I missed that part of it. Yeah, she did. She called for his arrest. She also said, I'm the only person who said if Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro aren't going to show up, they also have to pay the pay the price of of being in contempt of court. And so she felt like she had authority based on her track record to call for him to be arrested on the spot. But they all folded. Well, Hunter Biden and his team of Abe Lowell, the the criminal defense attorney, God knows he must make an awful lot of money an hour, uh, basically said, let him screw themselves. We'll show them who has the power here. And they walked out. Congress did have the power, I believe, to arrest them and the attorneys and let them sort it out from the prison cell and scream all they want. But they walked out and said to Congress, go screw yourself, Stephen, didn't they? Yeah. And they showed the American people that he is not only above the law, but he is the law. Yeah. He he, he knows that daddy's going to protect him. So you can imagine now if the Republicans go through the stupid charade of impeaching Joe Biden, what's going to happen if they can't even get his son when they have bank records and pictures of the checks and they can't do anything to him because of the warped justice department and the, 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 the complicit media. So we, the people are sitting here and we don't know what to do, Stephen, at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about this all we want. A lot of people are turning off from politics and saying, I give up. I'm not even going to vote. I, I know some really intelligent people who are all conservatives who are not even going to vote, which is exactly what they want to do to us. They want to drive us away from the polls saying it's futile. You know, between the immigrant flood, the, the lack of a rule of law, the crime wave, et cetera. People are, are, are turning within. They're turning away, Stephen. Yeah. So in, in your book, uh, A Savage uh, Nation, uh, the inside uh, inside the plot to destroy America. One of the things that you hit on that I enjoyed was this idea of cancel culture. I'm seeing this with Donald Trump right now. And that one of the biggest stories in the news right now is the district attorney, Fannie Willis oh. of Georgia. Wow. She held a five hour meeting with Kamala Harris and the White House legal counsel 
before going after Trump. Her uh, now boyfriend who left his wife uh, gets a $650,000 job sleeping with the district attorney in order to raise himself up uh, in his career. Uh, He also had to closed door meetings with the White House legal counsel to get permission to go after Donald Trump. What what is your take on this election? They're doing election interference in order to go after a former president on election interference. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. That's how any objective uh, analyst would see it. But I don't think that's how Jake Tapper Well, Wolf Blitzer would let us know they see it if they see it at all. It leads back to the so-called debate that CNN ran between Ron DeSantis and uh, who was the other one? I I forget. It was DeSantis versus who? uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki. And they let Jake Tapper run that. That would be like having Michael Savage run a debate between uh, uh, Joe Biden and and, uh, RFK Jr. Okay, would they let me be the moderator? They say, no, he's too extremist for us. How did they how does DeSantis let that happen, that they would let such a biased stooge uh, such as Jake Tapper be the moderator? It's crazy. But let's say go back to this Fannie Willis. She's as corrupt. You know, there used to be a saying in the 60s that, you know, if you drive through the South, uh, they'll pull you over and give you a traffic ticket just to uh, to collect the money and don't fight with them or you'll wind up in a southern prison being beaten in a jail cell. Fannie Willis is the new Southern sheriff type. She is as corrupt as the old white Southern sheriffs were in the 50s, if I may say so. She's a corrupt African-American. So what is she? What is she down there? D.A. or something like that? Attorney. Wasn't she funded by George Soros in part? Yes. yes. Oh, I think that says it all. And uh, but the her and the boyfriend, there's a contempt of uh, It's a contempt of court. It's a violation of every principle of the rule of law. The case needs to be removed immediately. And uh, listen, they know that they can't beat Trump in the courts, but they're going to, again, do the Lilliputian thing, tie him up with a thousand strings. Not one string will hold him, but maybe a thousand little strings will. So she's one of those Lilliputians holding one of the little strings. And if that string snaps, They'll throw another string down to another corrupt judge somewhere trying to keep him out of the election. You know, this brings us back to Donald Trump. How much can any one man take? And why should he keep going? I don't know. I couldn't do it. I don't know any other man who could take this. And so I'm rather pessimistic that, again, I'm going to say it so people don't misinterpret me. I will vote for Donald Trump if he gets the nomination and if he gets it to get we get to that point of ballot. You know, there was a uh, president named and and Andrew Stonewall Jackson, and he was in a fight with the U.S. Supreme Court over something. And the Supreme Court overruled him. Andrew Stonewall Jackson got up and said, now that you have ruled in force. Oh, <laughs> meaning, oh, you ruled good for you. Now, see if you're going to enforce it. He controlled the military, not them. Now that you have ruled in force, that reminds me of Donald Trump. He can win and he can pass all sorts of executive rules. But will he be able to enforce them given the country and the state it is in today? I don't know whether this country can ever see the rule of law against Stephen. even if we all think if Donald Trump wins, he's going to save us, save the world. 
I don't think so. I don't know how much one man can do anymore. We could see how much damage one man can do with Joe Biden. But can such damage ever be repaired by a man again? Can someone deport 10 or more million people? All these illegal aliens, they could be deported, by the way, if you could find them, if they're not automatically given green cards by Mayorkas in the next few months. Can you deport them? What would happen in this country if you start running buses around the clock from New York City and, and Los Angeles and Chicago and Denver and all these other hubs that the illegals are running to? Why are they going to New York City when there's no room for them? What's waiting for them there? Why are they running to Denver and Chicago and L.A.? Well, because there's a lot of Hispanic people that they can hide amongst. That, that's the real reason that they're going there. And the benefits are, 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 are sort of endless. And then they're advised by Catholic charities, Protestant Family Services, Lutheran Family Services, and other uh, fake uh, religious front groups where to go. They actually tell them where to go. They advise them where to go. And these groups like Catholic charities receive billions of dollars a year from the federal government to provide social services, not to American citizens, but to illegal aliens. So unfortunately, I'm the man who's seen too much, Stephen, and I'm getting a gigantic headache from seeing too much. Savage, home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America lays out the threats we face, prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on bondsandnoble.com. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others. What's the point, for example, again, we're talking about a lot of topics here. And we're going to talk about the book in a minute. And I know your listeners are going to be interested in it. And I may as well just jump the shark here or jump the gun on it. Why do I call it inside the plot to destroy America? And what's the point of buying a book if things are so hopeless? Because there's a West African proverb that I want to remind your great listeners of where a man feels hopeless and he can't do a thing. And the West African proverb says, if you think that you can't do anything because you're too small, try to sleep in a small room with two mosquitoes. It's a good proverb. proverb. So every one of us can make a difference on a local level, on a family level. Within every family, there's a division today, like in the Civil War, where brother fought brother. We have kids going to college who hate their parents who might be conservative. Maybe if the parents had a copy of a Savage Republic on the table and just pushed it around at dinner once when the kids come home and they say, what's that? Who's that guy? What's that the hammer and sickle got to do with America? And then they say, well, minority crime wave. Have you seen what's going on? What about do you like affirmative action or DEI? The fact that you're being affected by it, that even if you get straight A's, you're going to be pushed aside for someone who's less qualified than you. Do you think that's fair to you? Maybe you can convert a child to vote the right way in the next election. And just maybe that one vote, that one mosquito can save America. What what I what I wanted to ask is, uh, how do we reinstall these American values of looking after each other, 
pursuing excellence, um, loving our country, loving God, loving our neighbor. These are things that I grew up with, you know, the Boy Scout motto of Uh doing good for other people, being a service oriented people. Uh, that That has changed so much over my 40 years. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, meaning a, a little a little gem of patriotism such as that. And teaching them a little bit of the history and who has died, how many men have died so that we can even have this conversation and how precious and fragile this conversation really is, that there could come a time in the very near future where even a conversations conversation such as this between Stephen and Michael will be considered a threat to the uh, established order and it will be prohibited uh, on YouTube. Because, you know, you can't talk about things like that. You violated our rules. They already do it. Facebook is extremely controlling. Uh, So, yeah, we have to show the uh, young people how fragile freedom is, how fragile democracy is, and that it was not a given. It was fought for. That flag behind you says it all. And right now we're in a I wouldn't say tipping point, but we could lose it all under this gangster regime. The Biden regime is very much like something out of the uh, show. Did you ever watch The Sopranos? You're probably not a television watcher. Uh, I have seen parts of The Sopranos. Well, there's a famous uh, uh, segment in it where one of his friends from high school, this guy who grew up, owns a huge sporting goods store in New Jersey, and he's a degenerate gambler. And he comes to Tony, he says, Tony, I really want to get in on that game that very, very high rolling game up there. And he says to him, listen, Freddie, whatever his name is, he said, it's a high powered game. You could lose a lot. And I, I'm going to collect, even though you're my friend, if you lose, he's no, no, I know, Tony, I want to get in the game. Long and short, the guy owns this huge, like uh, sporting goods store and he gets in the game and he loses tremendous amount of money. What happens is they come to collect the money from him. He doesn't have the money. They become his partner in the sporting goods store. The gang starts living in the back of the store. They're robbing stuff out of the back of the sporting goods store. They're selling things till eventually the sporting goods store is empty and there's nothing left. And they run up his, they run out his credit line, buying fake airline, airline tickets on his last credit line. That's what the Democrats are doing to the United States. It was called the Stakito bust out. The Stakito bust out in the Sopranos is an, is emblematic <laughs> of what Joe Biden is doing to America, along with Mitch McConnell. The, the Uniparty is busting out America. What's the debt, Stephen? You're a financial expert. Thirty four trillion. How much? Thirty four trillion. Oh, well, let me reach in my pocket and contribute a little towards that. <laughs> so they keep printing, running the credit line up. McConnell and company, Pelosi and company, Biden and company are running the credit line up, buying airline tickets, funding a war in Ukraine that no one can afford. Everyone forgets that wars cost money. Every bullet costs money in a war. You know, I keep on my desk here that I broadcast on a lot of things. And one of the things I keep on the desk, but I don't have it handy, it's here somewhere, is a single bullet. See that bullet? There's no gun here. Well, you get the picture. Here it is. This bullet costs money. Every bullet that is shot in Ukraine or the endless wars that we are funding around the world, maybe for good or bad reason, costs money, and we, the taxpayer, are paying for it. And so you say, well, where's this inflation coming from? Where's the debt? There is no debt ceiling. And when you have a man who doesn't think debt matters, like Joe Biden, and they keep printing money, 
where is this going to go, Stephen? You're the financial guru here. It's going to be ugly. Uh, they, they keep thinking that, you know, the world is never going to come to collect because they're our friends like Tony Soprano. But you know what? They're robbing, <laughs> us, they're robbing us out the back door and we don't we're not even aware of it. We feel it in our wallet, but we're not conscious of the fact that it's the government that is is the one bleeding us dry. Bankrupting America by uh, busting out the credit line of the uh, of the of the sporting goods store called the United States of America. So someone's going to have to pay the piper at some point. But, you know, I remember when I was a young man, I visited France and there were uh, a currency differentials and the bills were in different sizes. They were called new francs and old francs. And then when I went to Italy, I was shocked. I was a young guy. Some Italian bills were this long. Some bills were this. So what they did was they started changing the currency. And then they would print bigger bills to make them look like they were, cost, they were more value. Maybe Pelosi can make, make the dollar bill bigger and make the $5 bill this big like in old Italy. Uh, and then maybe Biden could say, wait a minute, we can make a bigger bill. Old Frank, new Frank. Remember, the, the French revalued their currency where 100 old Franks were equal one new Frank. And OK, game over. What? You mean all the money I've saved in my house, my cash is now going to be worth one tenth of what it was or one one hundredth? You betcha. They could do that, Stephen. It's been done in France. It's been done in Italy. It's been done. Remember the early days? Remember our Argentina used to do that? runaway inflation. They have it now, right now, with this new leader who's got an inflationary problem on his hand. So we're at this we're a stage away from waking up one day and they tell us uh, the new dollar is now worth uh, one one hundredth of the old dollar. Or yeah. however, they'll, they'll name it the build back bigger bills plan, <laughs> <laughs> the Biden bill, the Biden bill. It'll have a big smiling Joe on it. Yeah. Nice Joe on it. Yeah. And these, it'll, be, it'll be worth one one hundredth of the dollar. Yeah. These these Biden bucks are the only way to buy overpriced food. So, you know, get in line. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh, well, at least we could end this on a smile. Right. The, the, this is serious stuff we're going over. But sometimes you have to laugh to avoid crying. I have a gallow sense of humor, and I think humor is the only salvation, along with something else that matters to me a great deal which is praying. I've had this since I'm 13 years old. My grandmother, may she rest in peace. Uh, she never spoke a word of English. She only lived here a few years from the old country. But she gave me a little Bible when I was 13 years old, a daily prayer book. And sometimes even before I go on television, you know what I do? I put my hands on the prayer book and I pray to God to give me the strength to get through that show and make sense without making an idiot of myself. And I hope I've done so today with you, Stephen. You have. It, it's been great. I'm excited for people to get your book. Um, you, you are so good at explaining the cancel culture, uh, the, the crime that's gone crazy, uh, threatening freedom of religion. I mean, on and on, you cover the big topics that my people are worried about, and you provide ideas and solutions out of the problem. That, that's one thing I learned in my early 30s. I had a CEO. He said to me, don't come to me with problems unless you come with a solution. Wow. And, and that was a big lesson for me to learn. So now when I go to him or, or somebody, I say, listen, here's the problem. 
but here's a few ways that we could maybe get out of this situation. So your book is the get out of this situation, as well as addressing the problem head on, bluntly, directly. Well, let me say one word about that, because you raised a good point. If I raise all these problems in the book, where are the solutions? The solutions are in the problems, as you just said. In other words, if I say inside the plot to destroy America and I can I read a chapter head? For you, yes, for please. For example, I could say the puppet president plot, the show trials plot. Chapter four, the censorship plot, five, the culture plot, six, the bankruptcy plot, seven, the chaos plot, eight, the divide and conquer plot. Nine, the war plot. Ten, the communist plot. Eleven, advice to the next president. Those are the solutions in this book. So first you have to teach people that there is a plot that is a long way in its development, that's very far into its inaction, in destroying us on all those levels. And then there are solutions in advice to the next president in that book, which I've certainly I'm not going to read right now. We don't have the time, but there is advice. It can be done. A strong leader could turn us around. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I want to give one shout out to my neighbor, Matt. When he saw our first interview, he said, how did you get my hero to come on your show? And so I want to honor you. I want to honor Matt. And thank you. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on and, and taking time to help us unravel what's really going on in the country and then and how to, how to think through it how to process it properly. Well, I wish I had some closing words that were better than these, which is ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That statement, I wish I knew who wrote it for, for John F. Kennedy has stood with me all my uh, years. And uh, I hope they stay with me until the end because America is the greatest nation on earth. And I will keep singing America's praises until the very end, Stephen. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, sir. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.